Because 2011 officially marked the end of an era, this is MuggleCast episode 247 for December 24th, 2011. This week's episode of MuggleCast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. Welcome to MuggleCast. It's our final show of the year 2011. And we're going to send it out with a bang. We have our annual Muggle Casties Awards. Uh, is this the, the fourth or fifth annual? I can't seem to remember this. I remember looking up at the end of last show. And you forget already? Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say this is the fourth annual. Yeah, I think that I think that makes more sense. This is this is the fourth. Sorry, you guys were cutting out there okay. a little bit. But yeah, this is the fourth annual MuggleCast uh, year in review. Cool. And with the Muggle Casties. And it's always fun to get people's feedback and then discuss... Uh, you know, the poll results, as we've done over the past few years. Uh, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. Okay, and Micah, please, fill us in on the news. You know, we're at the end of the year here, and Harry Potter's pretty much over, so <laughs> there hasn't been much so news. So let's move on to the awards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, give us the news. Well, one of the hot topics over the last couple of shows has been the expansion of the Wizarding World in Orlando. And there's some more news that's been coming out in the last couple of days. A little bit about Poseidon's Fury, uh, which is a ride at uh, Universal Studios' Islands of Adventure. It's going to be closing. There's supposedly a new roller coaster. Andrew, what's going on down in Orlando? Well, you know, there's been a lot of rumors, and we've talked about them before. Of course, Universal did confirm a few weeks ago that they are going to expand Orlando, but they didn't say exactly what they're going to do. And, you know, we talked about the Hogwarts Express train on the last episode and all that good stuff. The latest rumors are that, and these these seem to be more than rumors. These seem to be from sources, uh, uh, from a reputable theme park website. They said railroad engineers have been on properly extensively designing a train track that would run backstage. You would be looking out of the train and seeing a video component as you went down the track. Whether that would be similar in technology to King Kong at Universal Florida remains to be seen. And they say King Kong because that ride, it's a 360-degree enclosure. Um, or maybe not 360 degree exactly, but it's like a, when, when you're going through this ride, it's all video screens surrounding you. So that's what they could do with the Hogwarts Express. You know, you go into this tunnel and you're just surrounded by, say, the English countryside. Um, so that has a lot of potential, I think, to get to the, the new park. Absolutely. Uh, there is a roller coaster planned for the Jaws area, and that's what's rumored to be taken over. Um, that's what, the, the rumors say that Harry Potter will take over the Jaws area. Universal already announced that Jaws is closing, so now the big question is, what are they going to put there? And, and that's what people think. And then finally, something that I've personally been saying for a while, Poseidon's Fury has got to close. <laughs> and this this latest report says that Poseidon's Fury, which is right next to the existing Wizarding World, uh, will indeed be closing down. Now, just which, as a follow-up to... The uh, Jaws ride closing, there was a bit of news stating that Steven Spielberg owned that area of the park, so the chance of it becoming anything Potter-related was not very good. Did you see that? Mm. Yeah, I think I saw you guys post it on MuggleNet. Yeah, there was another... There was a conflicting report, too, which is that uh, we also heard that when Steven Spielberg heard that there would be a Potter area in the park, I think he offered his his area, where Jaws was, um, to them. So it may be a case of them, you know, coming back in the next year and saying, oh, by the way, can we can we still have this? Can we you using this? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. As far <laughs> as King Kong goes, did, did I go on a different King Kong ride than yeah, you guys did? It, I think, well, I think the one this is referring to is the one at King Kong 3D at Universal Hollywood. And that's that's like a train track thing. I don't know what the King Kong ride is at Orlando. Before we move along with the news, we'd like to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. 
For listeners of MuggleCast, Audible is offering a free audiobook so you can try out their amazing service. One audiobook to consider is Happy Accidents by Glee star Jane Lynch. Part comic memoir and part inspirational narrative, this book is equally for the rabid Glee fan and for anyone who needs a new perspective on life, love, and success. So why not get it for free and listen to it just like you do MuggleCast? To do so, or to grab any book of your choice, visit audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. We thank Audible for their support of the show. Well, according to the uh, Telegraph, they think that this upcoming Potter Studio Tour, uh, which will be at Leavesden Studios opening in March of 2012, could potentially ruin the magic uh, that the series has uh, created for so many people around the world. So what do you guys think of this? Could be some truth thought, to that. Yeah, I thought this was a, a well thought out article because when you think about it, you know, you go to the theme park and it really is an immersive experience. It's the music, it's the the people, you know, the wizards and witches walking around the park. The Hogwarts Express is alive and just everybody's, you know, really excited to be there. You you know, you can drink butterbeer, you can be in Harry's world. It's very immersive. And then this, this studio tour, you know, it's cool. It's so cool that these are the actual sets. But it's like, you know, is the lighting going to look like it did in the movies? Is there going to be music? Are people going to be dressed up in character? Uh, you know, is this going to feel, how is this going to feel compared to the theme park? And I don't know if you're going to get an immersive feel like you do at the theme park. And I think that may be somewhat of an issue. I mean, but again, it is cool that these are the actual sets. Yeah, I agree. I I think that, you know, people who have immersed themselves in the series over the last several years or 10 years, I think are really going to go with the intent to just enjoy and to see what the sets have to offer and walking through yeah. the actual place where the movies have been filmed. Uh, I think maybe it could ruin it for some people. It, it just depends how you you perceive the series. And I guess if you know, you're younger, maybe it can ruin it just a little bit. Uh, you know, if you don't have a full understanding of, uh, but at the same time, I would think if you don't have a full understanding, it would be cool to walk through a place like Dumbledore's office or the Ministry of Magic or any of those other sets. Uh, but yeah, I agree with what you said. I think the, the article does make a compelling argument. Yeah. I mean, I, I think ultimately two different people are going to go, you know, to the, to the park versus the studio tour. I wanted to say it's fortunate that the studio tour is like in backwoods out, you know, an hour outside of London that nobody will see it <laughs> or fewer people will go there, you know, to have the magic ruined for them than, than, you know, do attend the park on a yearly basis. But ultimately, I think because of the studio tour and its nature is to show how they achieved, you know, special effects, or, you know, one of those uh, areas is going to be like the green screen booth, you know, where you can hop on a broom and, and, and obviously see, see how they do that. It's in its nature to deconstruct the magic. So, so yeah, absolutely. I think people will maybe maybe walk away maybe regretting that they they've seen it do you think that that's like is that too intense a feeling uh to to like say if they're coming away oh now that i know how they did that it's not magic or what i mean it's still mm-hmm. cuz well yeah i mean that's the thing too i mean you know you you have this idea of how these things look after seeing them in the film so many times i mean for a lot of people they're going to be seeing these they're going to be walking on the set having seen the the films, you know, 10, 20 times a piece. So you want to live up to their expectations. And I think that's a very tall order that, that may be kind of hard to film. But again, it's the fact that you're on the actual studio lot where these films were shot. I mean, that's hugely intense. I, I mean, even yeah, the I, mayor of London was there not too long ago. Oh, our favorite, our favorite, right. well, uh, yeah, he did that. Our to, favorite uh, mayor of London. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's another related news story, actually. They announced that Diagon Alley will be there and uh, Gringotts. But I wonder which parts of Gringotts. Is it, like, just the front? Yeah, I wonder. Or what? Probably. Well, they say that the set the will take center stage. Does that mean that it's going to be sort of the focal point of the tour? Or is it going to be the, the, the first place that you step into once you uh, enter Leavesden Studios? I wonder how they're going to sort of set this all up. Is it going to be telling a story in a way? Is it going to be following the series as we've seen in the films? That's a good question. I think if it tells any story, it'll be the story of how so many people had to come together. You know, the makeup room, the green screen room, the, you know, the sets themselves. And I think 
the other thing that's going to be rewarding, I mean, some people might actually come to the studio tour to see that, you know, to see the Great Hall because it's the real Great Hall, but also to then turn the corner and see that it's, oh, it's scaffolding. It's not real stone. You know, the detail uh, on the foam or whatever it is that they use, you know, looks so real in the movies. I think maybe that would that would be an interest point all in of itself is that, you know, all these people forged a huge fakery, as it were, but it's real, but it's, you know, it's not. So, yeah, and, and just going back to the whole idea of ruining the magic, I, I think we bring this question up almost every time something else is announced or released is what's too much with respect to Potter? How far are you going to take it? You know, we did it when uh, the theme park was announced. Now you have the studio tour, the exhibition is touring out there. Uh, you have, uh, you know, the expansion in Orlando. You have the new park coming in Los Angeles. You know, you're going to say to yourself, when is enough enough? And it just doesn't seem to matter to fans out there because Potter seems to have such a stronghold still with, with all their fan base. Um, I mean, I have a few interesting points to make about that. First is that, you know, the, the different things you can do for Potter are fortunately located at opposite ends of the globe, you know, geographically. So with the exhibition, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's been, you know, able to travel, which is good, you know, a couple months here, a couple months there. And finally, it's overseas. It's no longer in North America. Um, so that's good. And then obviously for the London people, there's a studio tour and for Floridians in particular, but also, you know, East Coasters and the, the entire Americans, there's the park. So fortunately, I mean, I don't think anybody, we, well, less and less people are actually doing each and every one of these, you know, things that there is to do. Fortunately, because it came to Chicago and because, you know, I, th- I think Americans are more likely to have done everything so far up until this studio tour, it's going to be really difficult to get over there and do that. So I, I don't, I think it'll be less of a situation where it's like overkill uh, to some people. And then in terms of like how we view the studios, the other thing is that, you know, a lot of these are coming from different areas, you know, so, so Leavesden obviously, or Warner Brothers saw the potential to create this, um, you know, uh, studio tour, but somebody completely different, you know, said, we got to do this exhibit. Somebody completely different said, we have a, we have a theme park and there's room for a Potter, you know, section of that. So it's not necessarily that, you know, there's one person milking all, you know, everything they can out of the series. And considering that uh, Deathly Hallows doesn't look like it's going to get an Oscar anymore, um, which is my speculation, uh, it's, it'll be good to see that there's some way of showing the massive work that went into the series because I don't think the Academy is going to grant uh, you know the producers and dire- directors their wish of finally recognizing what a feat these films were. I think the studio tour is the only thing that's going to do that in the end, um, which is sad, but it, it, it's, it's what it is. All right, well, uh, switching gears here a little bit, it was announced earlier this week that uh, Dan Radcliffe will be hosting Saturday Night Live. It's Saturday Night Live! Daniel Radcliffe! And, uh, with a bunch of Harry Potter skits! <laughs> it comes on the heels of him being named the Entertainer of the Year by Entertainment Weekly, and uh, it seems as though uh, it comes at the appropriate time, though. He'll be uh, heading off Broadway, right, uh, in the next couple of weeks. So yeah. He'll be heading off Broadway. It makes sense. Yeah, and then right... Do Saturday Night Live before you leave. I was going to say, because he's still in... Th- the next month, he's booked all throughout the UK, or actually early in February is the premiere, the world premiere of uh, The Woman in Black. You know, that, that film that he recorded prior to doing How to Succeed. So he's... Uh, wrapped up sort of in the promotional circuit of that, uh, you know, immediately afterwards. So I'm glad they were able to find this, uh, this time when he's still in New York, because I'm sure like right the day, day later he could be on a plane. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice surprise and he'll do great. I was just surprised he's doing in mid January. I kind of assumed like he would want to go back to the UK right after he's done with how to succeed, you know, take a little time off, but now he's sticking around. So good for him for keeping busy. Even after, uh, that run has he what never hosted going? it before no never no harry no. potter he he's appeared on has. some um uh sketch shows in britain you know and and actually quite a few uh extras and uh, i think qi and a few of the other shows out there but uh but not saturday night live i'm super excited i hope there aren't that many harry potter skits you know because he's good for other things too so who was it that was on and they did a, a harry potter skit it wasn't emma though she didn't it was like unrelated, right? Nobody else hosted 
Saturday Night Live. There there have been a few uh, Harry Potter skits on Saturday Night Live before, haven't oh, there? I'm sure, over ten years. Yeah, there there probably yeah, there's have. been yeah, there's been quite a there's been two or three of that stand out. Yeah, in my I'm mind, trying to but. remember. But uh, the uh, the other thing that we mentioned there was that he was named Entertainer of the Year. Uh, any yeah. surprise? Mm, well, I was surprised because um, just because they they really accentuated uh, you know his hard work on on Broadway because you know he, he to do 250 plus shows. Uh, which he's done of how to succeed, you know, the same show, the same music, the same. I, I couldn't do it. I, and that, you know, I don't think any, many people couldn't do it. And, uh, to, he's been wrapped up with that, you know, this entire year, all of 211. So when you think of an award like Entertainer of the Year, there's really nobody else you can go to. Not to mention, you know, the fact that that, that one movie came out in the middle of the summer, which was his final outing. So yeah, I, I don't think there was any question. Well, not only that, it was the highest grossing film of the year it shattered records it you know was the the final film in the potter series so uh he was part of one of the highest grossing films of all time so you couple that with what you just said as well as uh he probably worked on the woman in black at some point this year right it was filmed was that all right well it was filmed. i don't know what he 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 launched the story contest um which is what they they ran from Mm -hmm. mid-october and it runs to january so he was doing some of that he's appeared on youtube with those videos promoting that um and that's in addition to his daily you know how to succeeding you know sometimes twice a day uh, so yeah, he's been super busy, but they filmed that, um, over the course of, I think it's six weeks, uh, last year in like October, November ish. All right. Well, the last piece so of news what else is that going we on? have this here, is my, this is my personal favorite. This is story. your favorite. I knew you put this in here. Uh, Broadway.com readers have voted that Alan Rickman is the sexiest man on Broadway. I just think it's funny. Um, Professor Snape. and, and, I just wondered why didn't, you know, Dan Radcliffe is also on Broadway right now, too. So I was just wondering why Dan Radcliffe, he didn't even make the top four. Who were um, the, Alan Rickman who had, the top four? Yeah, Alan Rickman had 27% of the vote. He beat Hugh Jackman who wow. had 26% of the vote. And then Priscilla, Queen of the Desert's Nick Adams had 24%. I don't know who that is. Um so there was there was twenty three percent of the vote left over, and I assume Dan had to be in. There was somewhere. Alan Rickman reached for for comment about this uh, prestigious I don't think award? So. I think he probably just laughed it off. <laughs> um, yeah, he beat Hugh Jackman. That's crazy. All right, so we end the news in two thousand eleven on a light note there. So there you go. So that's that's the year in news. But you know, there's still a lot of to reflect on, and that's what we're going to do in this episode. Uh, we're going to reveal the results of the Muggle Casties, uh, but first we have the top seven moments of 2011 on a whole. Now, I guess we want to go from. I guess we we don't have to go in a particular order. These are just the the top seven moments that stood out to us most. Uh, first of all, of course, the well, we'll start with with B guys, uh, Deathly Hallows Part Two. Hitting theaters. It was the final film after ten years of Harry Potter movies, seven books being turned into eight films. You know, we've talked about it to death, but it really was a momentous year for the Harry Potter fandom. Maybe more so than than the year Book Seven came out, two thousand seven, because it just you know this this was the end of the big stuff. And to think back to th- two thousand seven, I remember we were all like. Where does the Harry Potter fandom go from here? But I think some of the best years were truly after, after Book 7 books. came out. It'd be interesting to compare, as you just did, 2007 to 2011, because, you know, I was going to say that in in one month, you know, within the space of two weeks, we had Movie 5 and Book 7 come out. I don't think it's easy to top that kind of a thing. But when you look at it as being, you know, the final film, being slightly bigger than the fifth film... And, you know, the final book being matched up, I guess, against Pottermore, which was a huge announcement, you know, that was kind of unexpected, but it was leading up to the final movie coming out. It'd be, I, they might tie, they might come close. They definitely come close together. You know, this was a good year, I think, for, for Potter fans, especially because, if anything, there's, uh, not a silver lining, but it, it, it promised that, uh, Pottermore, you know, Potter was not over, because there's, there's still kind of something to look forward to over the horizon. Which is which is good, which is which is just like in two thousand seven when we had two more or three more movies to go. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think that 
what you just said. We had three movies to look forward to. Well, at the time, we only knew that there were going to be two more. We didn't know that the last one was going to be split. But uh, I, I think that uh, comparing them would be a little bit difficult because we were waiting for the the end of the story, really, in 2007 to find out, you know, was Snape good or evil? Does Harry live or die? You know, all these big questions that have been building up over you know, uh, 10 or more years. So now you finally get to 2011 and it's the last movie. Um, I think though, with the last movie, there comes a bit of a finality to it, in my opinion anyway, because now everything has been wrapped up. You're not going to get any more, uh, books. You knew that in 2007. You're not going to get any more movies. And so what's next? And it seems like, to your point, Pottermore and the announcement of Pottermore came at the, ideal time. I don't think that that was coincidence. Uh, and, you know, it's continuously giving people something to look forward to down the road and, and sort of a lot of the other things that we've talked about already. Expansion in Orlando, a new park in Los Angeles, the studio tour opening in 2012. Uh, there, there's still a lot of things on the horizon. It, it's not like the ship has sailed. And then, you know, on uh, off of that moment of 2011, then, of course, Deathly Hallows is part Deathly Alice Part 2's shattering of the box office records. Opening night, it made $43.5 million. Opening day total was $92.1 million. Opening weekend was $169 million domestic, $483 million worldwide. It grossed in the end $1.3 billion worldwide, which made it the number three film of all time behind Titanic and Avatar. So, I mean, it was a huge success, and rightly so. We kind of saw that coming. We knew that... Just like with the first film, when everybody was really curious, everybody was also curious to see how the film would end. So that's why there were such uh, strong box office numbers. And also, a lot of hardcore fans who have been with the series over the years, just wanting to see it multiple times. Yeah. I think I saw it three times, and you go back to Order of the Phoenix, how long did it take me to see that movie? (laughs) That was strange, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why that happened, but... uh, Me neither. Yeah, and I, the other piece I think that uh, we didn't mention was it became the highest-grossing film franchise of all time, finally passing Star Wars. And uh, as we discussed on a previous episode, Star Wars didn't just, you know, wasn't just released in the late '70s, early '80s. You know, it, it had the prequels that eventually came out, but it also had the uh, episodes four, five, and six re-released in the, in the late '90s. So you're talking about nine films, really. Uh, compared to uh, Potter's 8. And you know, I, I think it speaks a lot for the series as a whole. Uh, it's going to be interesting because I think that as more and more of the James Bond movies continue to uh, be released in the future, I, I think eventually it's going to catch up to it. But, uh, you know, Potter kind of stands alone. Do we know by where the Bond right is at? Now. I mean, there were 20, 22 official films for the Bond series. Are they not anywhere near that? Currently, or is nobody has nobody put that list together about how much those movies have grossed? No, I, I think it is in existence somewhere. I know Potter passed it several years ago. I just remember a post being made. Uh, I think it was Andrew who made it. Uh, there was like a split image of uh, Dan Radcliffe on one side and then uh, whoever was playing James Bond at the time on the other, and <laughs> it had just moved past. Uh, uh, James Bond. So there is a list out there somewhere, but I think James Bond was kind of second behind uh, Star yeah. Wars. You know what the problem is, too? I mean, um, Daniel Craig is about to sign on for another five Bond films, so it could surpass <laughs> Potter. Again, <laughs> that is the franchise that just never right. dies. Um, okay, so moving on, let's talk about... Uh, let's talk about... <laughs> let's talk about Potter <laughs> So that, oh boy. that, you know, that's of course a huge moment in the Harry Potter fandom because there was so much hype leading up to the release of Pottermore. They did do a good job of, of the hype and the mystery surrounding it. Uh, you know, they had the various fan sites participating and we learned each letter of Pottermore. It was kind of the classic, um, uh, uh, clue hunting that you had to do back in, back with JK Rowling's original site, jkrowling.com. And, you know, to, everybody knows how it went. It launched in beta. It was kind of a mess. And now it's still not open to the public. And, uh, you know, what, what do you guys think overall about Pottermore? Putting putting all the negativity aside, let's all say something good about Pottermore. <laughs> what did it do for the fandom, right? It added a spark to the fandom, right? It really did come at the right time. And as I said earlier, I don't think it was by coincidence that it was announced 
right around the time that the last film was going to be released because it gave uh, people something to be interested in beyond Deathly Hallows Part 2. And I think that if you go through the experience, um, you know, I think there was a lot of excitement because, you, Andrew, you just spoke about how you had to do the clue hunting even though it was hacked and <laughs> somebody got the name out there relatively quickly. Uh, you know, there was that excitement about something related to Potter that fans had an experience for a number of years. And you, know, you go on, you find out this name, and then you had to go through the whole process of becoming a beta user. You know, you had to make sure that you found the clue at the right time, and you had people staying up to all weird hours of the morning all across the world. Yeah, that wasn't fun. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but I think it was fun in some way because you know that there was a an excitement about mm-hmm. what this was going to be. What was it going to provide fans who had not had anything? really since Deathly Hallows was released in 2007. I, I guess you can include Beetle the Bard, but I don't really think that that book counts. Uh, so, you know, it's been four years since we've had anything. And uh, the experience overall, I think we've talked about it enough. I'm not going to go into it. But, uh, you know, as far as getting backstory, and getting that information that everybody who's been a fan of the series wants to know more about, I think that it does that. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see in 2012 how much more new information uh, J.K. Rowling releases yeah. through Potter. And I know a lot of people, too, that, you know, as you said, they, they compared the experience of finding the clues for Pottermore to being like it were back on her website, you know, during during the heyday before all the books had come out. And what Pottermore did for me, uh, you know, I think for, for a lot of other people was since it had been four years since we really had any direct content from J.K. Rowling, it really convinced me that she still cared. Um, because to announce Pottermore, to go through, to start Pottermore, start this team of people to work on, you know, this several year project, whether it's five years, whether it lasts seven years, you know, however, however long it is to start something like this and then to announce it and to go through all the, the trouble of making it and doing it and providing this content, you know, it just shows that she still cares about Potter. And that is something, that, not necessarily that I questioned it, but because nothing, including her own Twitter, indicated that she still cared, it was very comforting to see that that, that J.K. Rowling, yes, J.K. Mm-hmm. Rowling still cares about Potter. She still wants to interact with, with its fans. And that was, that was the biggest um, moment, you know, for me about it, about the whole thing. Okay, now moving on. The Wizarding World expansion announcement. That was something else that was a huge, um, you know, the build-up. There was a lot of rumors leading up to it. We, like we said earlier, there's been a lot of rumors, particularly over the past few months, and they sort of picked up. And that's going to be exciting because, again, now the theme parks are a huge aspect of the Harry Potter fandom. And it seems like they have really big plans for this expansion. They know that Harry Potter is a huge success now, so they can really, you know, it, it seems like they're going to basically double the size of the existing park, and that's just going to be wonderful. Yeah. So. Harry Potter H- HP Jimmy has proven cool. to be bankable. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who knew? <laughs> well, I think, too, like, do you think, I mean, it's not just Harry Potter fans who are visiting the park, which is the cool thing. Is that you know other people, mm-hmm. non fans, are going in and and getting kind of educated as to like the little nuances of British culture, or even if it's not that British and it's more you know magical, still they're 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 getting an education by going into the theme park, uh, which is which is really get they're getting schooled. schooled, as you said. And on a related note, the this even more recent, well, actually they were announced at the same time, the new theme park in Hollywood, Hogwarts is coming to Hollywood, <laughs> and and again, you know, it's just great. You can see it out your window, Andrew, as it gets Hollywood. built. Yeah. You're going to be able to uh, do. I felt like, do like a time lapse that. thing. The time lapse, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it's you know again, it's just going to be really great for the fans, and having a West Coast location is going to introduce a ton of new people who otherwise would never get the opportunity to do this. I mean, there's a ton of people living on the West Coast who would probably never think about going to the East Coast to a theme park because there are theme parks already here. So, so that's that's another, and it's a good sign for the future of Harry Potter parks around the world as well. Uh, I know in the Wall Street Journal article. That originally leaked this information. They said if if Hollywood was also a success, that they were going to look into adding parks around the world. So, 
It's awesome. Good news. And uh, let's see. The studio tour. Now, this is something we also talked about earlier. But again, big announcement. And it's it's England's it's England's finest um, Harry Potter attraction yeah. now. And it's it's at the studio where Potter was recorded. You know, actors reported there daily to, to film these things. Um, the other cool thing about it is that it's opening in March of next year. It's not four years away, as is the Universal expansion. You know, this is something we're going to see a return on a lot sooner and i by return i mean a return on our excitement for it um you know because we can we can go there tickets are already you know on sale or made available and uh yeah it's going to be it's going to be something really tremendous i i mean i I, like you said andrew we touched on it a lot earlier talking about what the pluses and the minuses are and whether or not it's going to kill the magic uh, (laughs) that a lot of people have for the series but uh I think it's going to be really cool, and just listening to what a lot of the actors and even the producers have had to say about opening it up to the public, I mean, they seem really pumped, and they really like the idea, I think, especially Warwick Davis. He said he might even do tours there, <laughs> uh, you know, in a joking way, I'm sure, but, you know, to, to think, I guess, as being an actor and actress, to have the ability to go back to those sets. Uh, pretty much any time that you want. I'm sure that uh, they don't have to pay for admission <laughs> there. Uh, so, you know, just to go and revisit that any time that you want has got to be a, a pretty cool experience. That is cool, yeah. Especially, you know, when you have grandkids, you know, Dan Radcliffe can take his kids back and be like, look what I used to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. And finally, Harry Potter Home Entertainment Celebration. This was, in a way, the first ever official... Harry Potter conference, so to speak. I mean, it was a multi-day event in Orlando around the release of Deathly Hallows Part 2 on DVD, and it was also Warner Brothers' way of kind of sending off the series once again. I feel like there's been a lot of send-offs this year. But this was this felt like the most final of them all. Eric was there, of course. Uh, Eric, do you think they'll do these in the future, maybe? More home entertainment oh. celebrations, or just more multi-day? Park I don't events? know. That's, that's a good ones. question. This seems uh, pretty. It didn't seem like it. It didn't feel like the last one. It felt really well done, though. I, I think. I think it was bigger, kind of a bigger send-off than I thought it would be. Actually, you know, they they had several events planned, not just for you know the press, but also for the public. You know, in terms of Q and As, and there were over a hundred press outlets there, which is just a huge number of of people to to kind of logistically like make time for between all the celebrities and stuff you know so i i don't know that uh if but it would if they're going to do it again but it would be a shame not to because they seem to have a real mastery over um you know the layout of the park and making sure that everything kind of went really really smoothly um i i'd i'd feel really um kind of hurt if i never made it to another official celebration again from Warner Brothers, but but at the same time, mm-hmm. it was done really well. So so I also kind of just would feel nostalgic for the first one. So yeah, it, it was um it was a good celebration. Again, it was bigger than I than I thought it would be, but you know it had its uh, it had its purpose, and it was um a, a bit interesting to see you know because of all the celebrities that were there uh, to see to watch them reflect on you know being in the park, which is nothing to do with the actual movies, um but still you know to do with Harry Potter. And- this was the first real event, right, that was in the park since the opening took place. Yeah, yeah. in terms of real event, and, and, and you bet. I mean, they, they built the stage that they had for the grand opening. They put, brought that back. They had special lighting that was, you know, special signs that was like, you know, the Ministry of Magic wording that said, uh, you know, magic is happening behind these, you know, this wall or something. It was, it was crazy. It was really, really kind of fun how they transformed it. to made, They made it their own. Which is which is unique, I think, because you never think of the Harry Potter. Um, I mean, who else would would make the Harry Potter park their own but Warner Brothers? So that was really cool. And now we turn to the fourth annual Muggle Casties. This is uh, we have a variety of categories. We asked everybody to vote in the poll over a forty-eight hourish period. Very pleased to say that we got over eight thousand responses. 8, which is you guys awesome. are awesome. Eight thousand people voting. Yeah, so that that was a great response. So we have some very I would say very fair results here uh, after getting uh, results from a good sample of Harry Potter fans. The first category is biggest news story, and we just ran through some of them. But in the poll, uh, we listed Pottermore, the all the theme park news, Deathly Hallows Part 2 being released worldwide, 
And then the Potter film's going into the Disney vault. And for anyone who doesn't remember that story, that's uh, Warner Brothers' decision in actually just about a week to cease production of Harry Potter DVDs in the United States. And uh, they will go back on sale in the future. But for now, you have to hurry up and buy them, or else because they're going into the Warner Brothers vault forever. So anyway, the winner with 47% of the votes, <laughs> biggest <laughs> news story is <laughs> Deathly Hallows Part 2 released worldwide with 47% of the votes. And uh, Pottermore had 36%, Theme Park News had 10%, and the Disney Vault story had 6%. So so no surprise there. I mean, it's the final film. No. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's much uh, to talk about. Yeah, there. that was kind of a throwaway one. We knew that was going to happen. <laughs> um, next, next category is biggest impact on the Harry Potter fandom. The nominees were the Wizarding World expansion and the opening of the Wizarding World Hollywood, Deathly Hallows Part Two, shattering box office records, and Pottermore beta opening. So these were sort of similar. Similar stories as the previous category. And the winner of this was, with 49% of the vote, Deathly Hallows Part 2, Shattering Box Office. So records. in terms of impact on the fandom, like what impact did that news story have on the fandom? I guess it meant that... Well, I think it's a good send-off. It, it shows that Harry Potter, it made it through eight films very, very successfully. It didn't drop off, you know what I mean? It wasn't like the more films came out, the worse it did. It was great to the very end. Okay, that's a good, that's a good way of seeing it. I understand. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised Pottermore did as well uh, as it did in terms of uh, having twenty nine. Well, I mean, I, I think it is a big yeah. deal for that reason. You know, it's, it may not have been fully realized uh, yet. You know, this year, but it's a promise for the future. Or, or you could argue though that you're surprised it didn't do better. But maybe the, all the negativity surrounding the beta launch caused it yeah, to. Yeah, uh, I, I not think that's probably well. what well, happened, which is interesting. We have to uh, we have to stop bashing it, <laughs> give Pottermore a chance to come back and be the biggest story of 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next category is best returning actor for Deathly Hallows. So these are the Part specific two. movie awards, and going back to yeah, just as yes. a reminder, because the past few Mugglecasties, we were blessed every year with a new film. Uh, to, to, to sort of talk about, you know, in 2007 we had Movie 5. I guess maybe there was one year where we didn't, but when there was a film that came out that year, we've done sort of specific best actor, best, you know, scene, that sort of thing, awards. And these are these are those for the final Harry Potter film. The nominees are Dan Radcliffe, Michael Gambon, Alan Rickman, and Ray Fiennes. The winner was... BroadwayWorld.com's Sexiest Man Alive, Alan Rickman, <laughs> <laughs> with 70%. Of 70%. Wow, 70%. That surprised me. Was that because he died? Uh, best returning actor. The way I view that category, too, is like which actor, which of the, all the returning actors, which actor really stood out in this latest film? Um, so I, I guess I'd say, especially with the, the scene where he's cradling Lily, uh, Alan Rickman deserves this, this, uh, this award. See, I actually, when I voted, uh, in this, uh, Me too, I actually, actually voted for Ray Fiennes. Yeah, I think he had the most impressive growth. I, but I how did well. uh, how did he do? What, how many you know percent? Oh, uh, Ray Fiennes got five percent of the vote, uh, but not as bad as Michael Gambon, who got two percent of the vote, and Dan Radcliffe got twenty three percent. So Rickman obviously had a clear. Lead Yet again, there. Dan Radcliffe is in Alan Rickman's shadow. We're gonna start something. We're totally gonna start something here. <laughs> Best Returning Actress for Deathly Hallows Part 2. The nominees were Emma Watson, Julie Walters, Maggie Smith, or Helena Bonham Carter. This was actually a tighter race, but the winner was Emma Watson, with 50% of the vote exactly. Followed by Maggie Smith, with 24%, and Helena Bonham Carter, very close behind, with 22%. Uh, only a, about a 100-vote difference between those two. And then Julie Walters, unfortunately, she only had 4% of the vote. But I guess she wasn't that big of a character so yeah i guess not i mean she had that she does have that famous scene of course but uh it just seems but that's interesting how dan radcliffe got 23 percent of the vote as best returning but emma watson got 50 percent of the vote as best i returning. think yeah i think it's a real you know vote I mean? of uh of of confidence on emma or rather um satisfaction you know between the fans and and what emma did in the last film Next category is Best New Character from Deathly Hallows Part 2. 
The nominees were Griphook, played by, by Warwick Davis, Aberforth Dumbledore, played by Kieran Hines, the Gringotts Dragon, played by himself, and the Hogwarts Statues, <laughs> played by themselves. And again, very close, this, this, this category was. And the winner was Aberforth Dumbledore, played by Kieran Hines with 33% of the votes. The Hogwarts Statues came in second <laughs> with 26% of the votes. Kringot's Dragon came in third with 21, and Griphook fourth with 20%. So pretty, pretty yeah, close. It's really not so bad. There. I think, um, when we came up with those, yeah. those poll options, you know, I just thought, wouldn't it be weird if the, if the statues beat out, you know, Kieran Hines, or, you know, cause we get, you know, it's the option where we have these CGI characters, uh, obviously not replacing an actor, but, but trumping them, you know, if they had gotten all the votes. But fortunately, uh, the fans, uh, you know, all really liked Kieran Hines' performance. And so, you know, it was kind of unfair for us to make them compete with the, uh, you know, the production crew, which is a team of people, um, but they did so successfully. What's interesting, actually, in uh, the Lego Harry Potter game is once you've defeated uh, all of the levels, you can actually go back and roam around Hogwarts, and one of the things you can do is you can actually ride the Hogwarts statues and use them as if they are uh, <laughs> actual characters. Interesting. I haven't made it that far yet in that game, but uh, I'll look forward to doing that. That's been my Lego Harry Potter <laughs> plug for this episode. Next category is Best Interviewee of the Year. And this is just, you know, j- the person who, you know, gave the best interviews throughout the year to anyone, not not to a particular outlet. We do have a category for that for MuggleCast in a moment. Uh, best Interviewee. The nominees were Alan Rickman, Daniel Radcliffe, J.K. Rowling in the A Conversation With on um, the DVD. The Deathly Hallows Part 2 DVD, and David Yates. And the winner, by a long shot, was J.K. Rowling with 65% of the votes. Next was Alan Rickman with 17%, Radcliffe with 16%, and poor David Yates with a measly well, 2%. You know, I'm interested in, in, how, in you know, the results. I'm a little surprised by these results, to be honest, because, uh, you know, I think one of the – in the poll option, didn't we say, you know, in a conversation with, with Daniel Radcliffe and J.K. Rowling, that's really her only interview that stands out. You know, it's possibly the only interview she really did this year. Um you know, which shows that people like it. But when I think about Alan Rickman, the interviews he gave, um, you know, there was that tell all, uh, TV special. Who, who, who's, what outlet was that, that, that interviewed him? And they, they finally got him to completely open up. That was a very recent thing. Um, hmm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I but I just I heard everybody who saw that was like, you know, they were crying afterwards. You know, you come up with it. And then, of course, there was the Time magazine. Uh, wait, was it Time? Or, no, it was Entertainment, we, where they traveled the, the, you know, the globe to, to meet all the... Oh, that was Empire, like Empire yeah. Magazine. That was something but, in the um, UK. But for that, yeah, uh, you that know, Alan cool. Rickman, and I consider that to be kind of an interview, where he wrote that letter about, you know, that the, we've just rapped or something, and, and I'm very emotional. So I, I, I thought, you know, as a standout person... Uh, to, to be, to, you know, to be forthcoming in interviews, Alan Rickman uh, has the most improvement uh, by far, I think, because, you know, he, he was keeping very silent about the whole thing while the films were in production. And and finally, he, he just let it all out in a series of interviews this year. So I, I did vote for him. Um, but obviously, many people uh, just were so happy to see uh, J.K. Rowling um, talking about Harry in that video. And probably the the person who was interviewed the most out of any of these uh, was was the one who got the fewest amount of votes. Do you think, um, David Yates? Yeah, and you know, I actually thought he would do better because when he does do interviews, they're always pretty interesting because you get a lot of good behind the scenes info, given that he is the director. So, I think just think any time you throw J.K. Rowling in a category, <laughs> well, yeah, I hope that's true for the J.K. Rowling Award coming up. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, moving along, next category is Most Interesting Potter Star on Twitter. The nominees were Warwick Davis, Jesse Cave, Ivana Lynch, Will Dunn, Tom Felton, and Emma Watson. Very, um, I'm impressed by the winner, actually, here. The winner was Ivana Lynch with 44% of the vote. And, you know, rightly so. She's a very honest, fun person on Twitter, uh, and I think people appreciate that. Uh, Tom Felton got 33% of the vote, and he too is pretty honest, but I think Ivana's just a little more fun and real. Emma Watson had 15%, but she's usually just promoting stuff. She's not really, you know, like a. She's not saying, yeah, like, what she's been she up to. She doesn't use her Twitter or, the way you know, she should. 
Yeah, I yeah. want her to be more open. Me too. Me too. Um, and who else was uh, who was in fourth fourth place? Uh, fourth place. The rest all did very bad. Warwick Davis had four percent. Jesse Cave and Will Dunn. I like following. I like following but, Warwick you know, a lot. Um, but I, I, you know, I think I, oh, on the whole, Ivana, you know, her tweets the most memorable. I think this year. I mean, when she got into Pottermore and was sorted into Gryffindor. I mean, I, I, I still, I still remember those tweets. They, they were hilarious. And I think even more recently, just a couple of weeks ago, she was like in traffic on the L.A. freeway and tweeting about it, and it was just hilarious. Yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, she's actually tweeting about her life. That's that's what's cool about her, I think. Next category, Best MuggleCast Interviewee of the Year. Now, all these nominees we have had on the show, uh, thanks largely to Micah, who did a good job organizing and conducting these interviews. Um, so I win the award, <laughs> Yes, right? you, you win Best MuggleCast Interviewee Organizer of the Year. Absolutely. Uh, no, but the Best MuggleCast Interviewee nominees are David Yates, Oliver Phelps, Will Dunn slash Arthur Bowen, they uh, they were in the epilogue, by the way, and Ivana Lynch, and the winner was with forty three percent of the votes, Ivana hmm. Lynch, uh, and of course that was our interview with her at LeakyCon. Again, you know, a very fun interview. Who's the second place? Thirty percent. Second place, Oliver Phelps. Third place was David Yates with twenty two percent. Will Dunn, Arthur Bowen with five percent. So. Oh no, though a good batch of interviews. Yeah, you know, considering that I conducted three of them and I was there for the fourth uh, at LeakyCon, uh, I, I don't know, I I disagree with uh, the outcome. Really? But yeah, what would I would you say? say the best overall interview was probably with Oliver Phelps. Yeah. Hmm. Why is that? Just information wise. Yeah. No, I thought it was just a good conversation. It was kind of a very relaxed talk and you know it felt as if it was just two people you know having a conversation with each other as opposed to you know the david yates one was a little bit more scripted um the uh, the will don arthur bowen one was very good um but yeah i don't know i, I kind of felt that uh, hmm. that was the best yeah one. i mean the ivana lynch like we had her on on the episode as like a as like a co-host it was great having her you know she came in about halfway through to the leaky con um episode and that that was just amazing it was less of an interview though um but it was you know it was still good to have her on the show obviously people must have really responded well to that episode uh to have voted um in the way that they did but i'm i'm happy because it really was a big deal having her sit in with us you know and and the fact that she had uh she 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 decided to wear her original muggle cast shirt it turns out that she had uh from years back, you know, we offered her the the LeakyCon shirt, and she said, uh, and we actually gave her one, and and then she said, well, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna wear my own, and it was the original with the the um you know old iPod Shadow uh, ads, and she 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 chose her own wardrobe for the for the live MuggleCast, but it was. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying though is she actually listened to the show Evidently. years ago and was a big enough fan yeah. to yeah, order. Yeah, that's a what t-shirt. I'm saying. Um, so we were really just flattered, really honored. Um, that she 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 had decided to and make effort to 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 be on our show. Uh, we'd love to have her back, of course. Um, but yeah, so she won this uh this category. Great going. Next category is J.K. Rowling's best moment of 2011: the announcement of Pottermore, the interview with Dana and Radcliffe on the Deathly Hallows Part Two DVD, the heartfelt speech at the Deathly Hallows Part Two London premiere. And finally, her two tweets this year on Twitter. <laughs> Which were the same, by the way. Did she retweet herself? Is that possible? Did you do that? Yeah, they were the same. It may be possible. Um, and the winner was with 59% of the votes. Her heartfelt speech at the Deathly Hallows Part 2 London premiere. It's on YouTube. You can probably Google it if you want to watch it again. But it's her just, you know, thanking the fans, uh, naming the the main seven... Radcliffe, Watson, Grint, uh, uh, Wright, Lynch, Lewis, Felton. I think that's seven. Um, you know, so it was a really heartfelt speech, and Radcliffe, Rupert, uh, Dan, Dan Rupert, and Emma were all behind her, like crying. And, you know, it was just, it was a pretty epic moment. I have to admit, it was very, very impressive. That's when it hit me that things were all. <laughs> Did she have, what did she say at the very end that people latched on to? There was uh, some quote that she gave. I can't remember exactly. I, I what thought she it was said. just, I thought it was I'm just you know, sure. the big seven or whatever it was that, that she had said about them that she, 
Because she said something about Hogwarts always being... Home. There. Hogwarts will always be there. Something like that. (laughs) It it was more touching than we're making it. Next category is Best Overall Franchise Performance by an Actor. The nominees were Dan Radcliffe, Alan Rickman, Michael Gambon, Rupert Grint, or Ray Fiennes. Fiennes. We also had an other category, but nobody, nobody... Scored that well in there. Now this is uh, well, now- well. Actually, the other category did better than somebody really uh, that was listed as one of the main five you just said. So, so who is it? Let's let's figure really? this out. I'm confused. Now I'm confused. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So and and by the way, this category is about overall performance out of all eight films. Who did the best? And the winner with 49% of the vote was Alan Rickman. Dan Radcliffe had 29%. Grint had 13%. And Gambin finds. And Gambit and Fines had two and five percent respectively. And other had three well, percent. Yeah. So was other, was other the same other though? <laughs> or was it a I yeah, I doubt it. Uh, but no, I doubt but still, no, I that's, think it was um, a variety. Returning yeah. again, Alan Rickman with the win. I, I don't know that I agree with that. Like in terms of overall performance, I would have had to have handed it to, to Dan or somebody. Um well, maybe just because of his character arc over all eight films, just yeah. like him being so mysterious, and then the question of is he good or is he bad, and then in the final film you learn out you learn why he is good and that he did love Lily. So, well, see, I would have I, when I voted, I immediately eliminated Ray Fiennes and Michael Gambon just because they weren't in all the films. Hmm. I, I to me to be a you know best overall franchise performance. I don't know if you have, you have a memorable enough performance, a memorable uh, enough character. No. That's like saying well, uh, like you can't. Um, Dobby, wins. Dobby could win, right? I mean, I think, I think too. The other thing is that Voldemort, Voldemort well, as a character doesn't even have a body voted. until he's portrayed by Ray Fiennes. So there is that that thing to consider, which is that technically Ray Fiennes' character was in all eight films, um, even if he wasn't portraying it. Same with same with Michael Gambon, but that's okay. I'm not going to fight the issue. Next category, similar category, best overall franchise performance by an actress. And the nominees were Emma Watson, Maggie Smith, Julie Walters, and Helena Bonham Carter. Again, interesting. This is in line with an earlier poll. The winner was Emma Watson with 57% of the votes. And uh, Helena Bonham Carter came in with 20, 21%. Maggie Smith came in third place with 17%. Julie Walters with 3%. And then other 2%. You know, Emma Watson, everybody just really liked Emma throughout all the films. I'm, you know, she won the category earlier about best performance by an actress in part two. And now this overall performance as well. So I guess she really yeah, is the female it's star official, of all the films. Now that you heard it on MuggleCast. But, you know, I think our, our listeners have voted. The interesting <laughs> thing is that I still hear a lot of negative things about Emma in the films. And I wouldn't bring this up unless it were to, to, to say, you know, call to action. Everybody who voted positively in Emma Watson's favor, just go spread the love. Tell people that she's so awesome because she is. But also because, you know, she's won this uh, this you know this poll, um, you know, let her know. Tweet at her and let her know and maybe she'll come on the show. And uh, thank you all herself. We're nearing the end now of the 2011 Muggle Cassies. The next category is Most Anticipated Ooh. Potter Event of 2012. The nominees are More Information About the Wizarding World, World Orlando slash Hollywood, Pottermore's Official Launch, The Opening of the Warner Brothers Studio Tour London, The Making of Harry Potter, and Deathly Hallows Part 3, <laughs> oh, Voldemort's no. Revenge. Which I did not know about until I read this poll, so it was interesting. Um, but the winner was Pottermore's official launch with th- 39% of the vote. 27% of the vote, unfortunately, was thrown away with the <laughs> Deathly Hallows Part 3 Voldemort's Revenge. <laughs> and uh, in third place with 20%, or realistically, it was actually 20%, or it was actually second place, opening Warner Brothers Studio Tour London. And then fourth place was, of course, more information about the Wizarding World parks. Okay. No, I, so that's good. I mean, I guess there's a, quite a few people who still really want to see, who still aren't inside Pottermore. Yeah. I yeah, do see definitely. emails about that every once in a while. And then, and then finally, the J.K. Rowling Award. Now each year we bestow bestow this award. Oh, uh, on the person who has, who exemplifies J.K. Rowling like qualities, great writing, beauty, passion, cleverness. All things you would <laughs> say about Ben Shane. Yes. 
<laughs> and the nominees were J.K. Rowling, Lady Gaga, Stephanie Meyer, Kim Kardashian, and Ben Shane. Our own Ben Shane. And the winner, <laughs> the winner of the J.K. Rowling Award <sighs> for the fourth year in a row is J.K. Rowling with an amazing 85% of the vote. <laughs> Second place, very surprisingly, <laughs> no, Ben no Shane kidding. with 8%. He came so very close. He actually did quite well. To think, I'm glad I, uh, I'm glad I had you put him in there. <laughs> to think he did better than Gaga, Stephanie Meyer, and Kim Kardashian is wow. quite amazing. Wow. But, uh, quite I am amazing. glad. Yeah. Fourth so year in a row, the JK Rowling Award goes to JK Rowling. Like, I, I was worried this year because we totally left it up to the, to people, didn't we? I mean, if everybody wanted to spite us, we, we really would have given that award to we someone did. else. But, uh, but I think it's true. You know. Well, I'm just. I'm happy that, uh, I, I'm gonna, uh, start a campaign for Ben. I think <laughs> next year he can take it. He, he, uh, he had, a more of a vote than the other three combined. Uh, if you look at it. I have to, uh, I have to, I have to plug my own YouTube channel. There's a video on there of when we were waiting for JK Rowling, uh, to come out of, uh, not Carnegie Hall, it was the year before, for Harry Carey and Garp at, uh, Radio City. Radio City, yeah, yeah. We were waiting for, uh, the door to open because this it was rumored uh, that she would be coming out of the side door. They had done some kind of tech rehearsal earlier in the day. So all of us were out there. It was a blistering hot summer day. And eventually we just got so tired of waiting. She never ended up leaving the building or coming out that door. But uh, instead, Ben went up there uh, sort of in between the two crowds. And uh, we filmed him, or actually I filmed him, uh, coming out, pretending like he had just closed the door and was coming out. <laughs> and then all of us screaming at him, Miss Rowling, you know, J.K. Rowling, J.K. Rowling. Oh, that's crazy. funny. So, uh, little, I haven't seen that. I've, yeah. What, what's the title of it? It's, uh, uh, Joe goes Shane shows Benjamin. Oh, I see it. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. On the YouTube channel, Benjamino Eric, Rolling. Eric J. Skull. Benja- Benjamin Rowling. But, uh, yeah, so it's, that was like a precursor to his, uh, it's not the first time he's, he's nearly upset JKR <laughs> with his portrayal or his, uh, defining of, uh, JKR, JKR like qualities. Um, super fun. It's actually a really funny video. Yeah. Yeah. That's classic. Uh, well, um, for those who follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash mugglecast, we asked people, what are you most looking forward to in 2012? We had the poll, but we wanted to get Twitter responses as well. The Lady Lacey said, Leaky in Chicago, so psyched. So that's uh, Leaky Khan she's referring to. And that's in August. Um, I, Bangu, wrote, WB Studio Tour London will be the highlight from Potter perspective for 2012. Hugs2015 wrote, I'm really looking forward to actually getting into Pottermore because I was out of town for the beta. Ali Gasperch said, I'm looking forward to Lego HP coming out for iOS. It's kind of an obscure Oh, wish, interesting. But, okay, yeah. Which is the iPhone operating system. Um, Bryce Moores writes, I'm looking forward to see how the fandoms keep going strong with updates and news about Pottermore and theme parks. Tiffany Murray 123 wrote, hearing about plans for the theme park expansion and building. Also, photos from the studio tour. Kira Renee said, I'm looking forward to the studio tour. More specifically, the Great Hall starts wishing for money so I could actually go. <laughs> Quite a few other op- uh, selections here. Sweet Milano 90 said, more books being released on Pottermore. You know, hopefully, hopefully we'll get Chamber of Secrets in 2012. So there you go. Lots, lots of things to look forward to in the next year and really beyond with all this theme park stuff too. I mean, what are you guys most looking forward to in 2012? Yeah. I don't know, Micah. For me, th- it's the theme park news. The theme park? Oh, yeah. to, like, find out more about it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, I mean, I think it would be great to learn more about what is going to be made in each of those parks, but in terms of actually having something for next year, I I think Pottermore and, and what we're going to have access to, you know, is it just going to be Sorcerer's Stone, which all the beta users have already had access to? Is it going to be Chamber of Secrets? You know, how are all that going to play itself out? Because that's actually something that we can look forward to in 2012. Whereas news is just like, well, it's great, but you're still not going to get to experience it next year. You know, if, if they say we're going to build a Gringotts ride, that's fine, but you're still not going to get to experience it until f- several years down the road. 
I'm looking for something that's actually going to happen. Which will be Pottermore. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm interested in Hopefully, finding out. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, like you said, is it going to be, you know, will it be, will, will we get Chamber of Secrets? Will it just be Sorcerer's Stone? Will it be the same Sorcerer's Stone that beta users saw? Or will it be, you know, improved and with more content? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, I, I would even venture a guess and say that 2012 is going to be the year of Pottermore. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to finally, they're going to Yeah, hope. I think that's a fair assessment. I'm hoping because, and, and this is, I, I would hate to be proven wrong, but I hope that they can, at some point in 2012, get their act completely together, uh, you know, officially launch the site because it's been rather delayed um, these past few months, and to actually just really launch it, have a really strong response, renew sort of the fans' faith, you know, who have been like turned away or, you know, any, any, anything. I, I, I have complete confidence that they can totally impress us. So I'm looking for, to, for 2012. To answer your question, I, I'm looking forward to Pottermore, and I, I hope that it's the year of Pottermore next year. Mm. Yeah, I'm interested also to see how people respond to the studio tour opening you know, what their experience is like walking through the set. If it kills sure the magic. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it going to kill the magic or are people going to walk away with something that uh, they've been looking forward to doing for, uh, you know, 10 years since the movies first were released to have that ability to walk through the sets? And uh, somebody put J.K. Rowling's next project on here. I think, you know, it, unless you're uh, not counting Pottermore as her next project, I mean... What else could she possibly be working on? It seems like we have this question every freaking year. <laughs> well, it's because, it's because Maybe this will be the year. Three years uh, ago, but, when uh, she started her Twitter, all she said was, I'm working on stuff. And then we still haven't right. heard what that is. So, But, you know, I, I, I think it's possible, certainly, that we could learn about what her next project is uh, in terms of actually writing. I'm, you know, the, this is uh, most likely stuff that's on Pottermore that's been you know, stuffed away in a box in a room in her house somewhere that has already been written. Uh, you know, we're talking about an actual book being released possibly by her, uh, or something else that she's been working on. So, uh, I think it's about time. It'll be what, five years fully since, uh, Deathly Hallows was released. Yeah. Well, we see that every year. It's about time. It should happen <laughs> this year. Yeah. Well, we will and truly anything see. Else? No. Anything else? I, I mean, you know, the, Eight film super collection. Yeah, but that's all small stuff. I mean, you know, that is. And have they done? uh, Have they done ultimate editions yet? No, for for the last two films. So those are to look forward to. Also to look forward to is the MuggleCast website, MuggleCast.com. It has everything you need. We recently updated the transcripts. They are all pretty much up to date. Well, we're close. We have two forty three, two forty four, two forty five. Wow, quite a few in there. You know. And everybody, yeah, I do have two forty six. I just haven't posted yet. Okay. I want to give people time to listen to the episode. Uh, cool for uh, posting the transcripts. Create, but, amping uh, up some demand there, Micah. Yeah, we're we're slowly uh, filling out the database. There, uh, all of them are listed. Not all of them are linked to yet, but uh, they're doing a great job, led by uh, Tracy. Uh, cool. Who's sort of taken the reins and done a great job in terms of getting us caught back up, and hopefully within the next few weeks we'll. Uh, We'll be caught up, and uh, every show you could possibly want to listen to uh, in written form. So I guess any show you want to read instead of listen to us talk, uh, you, you'll have the ability to do that. So uh, they do a great job, and uh, we can't thank them enough for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ability of it all. You know, I can yes. Google yeah, thank you everything. The, yeah, yeah. Thank you to the transcript team. Also there, you can click on contact to send in some feedback about this show or any episode that you hear, and we may just read it on the next show. Also, you can find links to our iTunes page where you can subscribe and review us via iTunes. You can also find our Twitter, which is twitter.com slash mugglecast, and our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash mugglecast. And finally, the fan Tumblr, mugglecast.tumblr.com. Filled with lots of pictures, new and old, from over the years. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of obscure stuff. Yeah, we'll have more holiday. I have some holiday I photos it. I stumbled upon of us at different, uh, like a Christmas party. Uh, I'll probably submit to there. It'll be cool. Cool. It's all. It's all fantastic. But uh, wow, thanks. Yep, another year of Muggle casting. Good job, boys. So we we will uh, officially at some point next year be. That lucky number seven years old. Oh, Excellent. wow. That's something Excellent. to look forward to. Seven years. 
That's scary. It is. Actually. <laughs> it's very scary. Thanks everyone for sticking with us for another year of MuggleCast. We'll be, we'll be back next year with more episodes and more fun, more Harry Potter and more magic. From Hypable.com, I'm Andrew Sims. From MogulNet.com, I'm Eric Skull. And from MogulNet.com, I'm Micah Tannenbaum. We'll see you in the new year for episode 248. Feliz Navidad! (laughs) Happy holidays, everybody. And happy 2011.